As I mentioned before, we're blessed this morning to have um, Brent and Mary Marion, and I'm going to have the two of them stand up there in, in the back, back there in inconspicuous spot. Uh, Brent and and Mary Mary, uh, Brent and Mary Marion. I'm sure there's a lot of people that tongue twist that a little bit. Uh, and their two daughters, Claire and Eleanor, have been serving in the Middle East. Uh, they've been uh, making disciples, planting churches, <clears throat> and spreading the good news of that gospel that we come here to celebrate each and every day. Um, we even invited uh, Brent to come and share a, a bit of the message that he shares as well with the, the people there in the Middle East, but also to give us an update of uh, the work that's been going on there. It's always great to have a brother in Christ to come, even from, uh, we, we come from the from the same culture, the same fold, but we serve in, in different parts of the world. Uh, and you know, one thing that I recognize really quickly is that Jesus is a very common language that, uh, that, that gets spoken across the world. It's amazing, doesn't matter how far away from home you go, you can talk about Jesus and his love and his, his, uh, his salvation, and it's just a message that just permeates in any language in every culture. So let me pray for, for you, Brent, as you... Um, as you uh, share with us this morning. Father, I pray for Brent. I pray, Lord, for their family. Lord, I pray that your word speaks through him, that your spirit, Lord, speaks through his lips as he opens his mouth. Lord, we're grateful for the work that they are accomplishing. We pray, Lord, that you, um, that you equip them by your spirit. Lord, that you um, surround them with brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, even when they're in that desert place, so that they can be um, built up, so they can be encouraged and edified as a church, a, a unified church of your son, Jesus Christ, across the world. Lord, I pray that we all receive this message, that we're encouraged by it, and that we continue to lift up the Marians in prayer and support uh, from here at Partnership. In Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. All right, so just real quick, since he mentioned the Mary Marian thing, you wouldn't believe how many people asked us before we got married. We'll ask Mary, like, did you realize what his last name was? It's like, oh, no, of course not. Um, oh, funny stuff. Um, before I, I'm going to share a lot of stories this morning. So I would actually like to start by, by sharing the beginning of a story. Um, the woman you see on the screen here, we're going to call her Hanan this morning, um, not her real name. I've changed all the names and the stories that I'll share this morning, um, but we'll call her Hanan. Hanan needs to hear the gospel. Hanan is a single Muslim mother. She has three children. She was married, husband divorced her. And so now she's found herself in another country as a refugee with three kids and, and nothing. Um, Hanan, she came to our country with some family members, some extended family, but she doesn't really get along with them, which is a little strange for such a communal, tribal culture. Um, but I, I don't know all the details of her family history. I just know they don't really get along and they don't really talk a lot. Uh, but we've seen Hanan, we've seen her cry. 
We've seen her weep, we've seen her laugh. Her laugh is just addicting. She, you can't tell from the picture, maybe a little bit, but she is a character. She is a funny person. Um, whenever I visit families, I have a, a Muslim background believer friend, um, somebody who was a Muslim that has since become a Christian that goes with me. Um, and him and her, they'll just sit and talk and laugh. And they talk so fast, half the time I don't even understand what they're saying. Uh, but it's just, I, I sit there and laugh with them. I don't even know what they're saying just because it's so addicting um, to see, see her laughing. Now, I've had the opportunity to share with her over the course of the last year and a half or so. Um, of course, there were some hiccups with COVID and stuff. and There were months here and there we weren't able to, to see her. Uh, but as often as we could, uh, me and my friend Musa would visit Hanan. We'd go with her. We'd share Bible stories. Um, and in this picture, you can see her holding an Arabic Bible for the very first time. And you can just see the joy on her face as she is actually reading the word of God for the first time in her life. Hanan is hearing the gospel. But Hanan needs Jesus. I'll share a little bit more about her in a few minutes. Um, let's hit the next slide. So, as was mentioned, my family serves in the Middle East. We serve with an organization called Team Expansion. Many of you probably have heard of them. Um, and we're actually the team leaders for the team in Jordan. And right now the team is my family. Uh, but we do have some people in the, the pipeline, um, hopefully joining us soon. Um, now we've been, we being my family, have been in, in our country for a little bit over four years. We got there in a little over four years ago. I was going to say the date, but I don't want to say the wrong one. Um, and so, of course, when we got there, we first started studying Arabic. Um, but since then, we've been able to, to actually do what I call our core work, what, what God sent us to do, um, we've finally been able to start doing. Um, even in the midst of, of the, the pandemic, the COVID stuff, and the new rules and regulations and defense orders, um, God has continued to open doors for us to start the work that he sent us to do. Um, and like I said, we started studying Arabic when we first got there. Um, and it's taken us, we, we dedicated two years to Arabic. Um, and after those two years, we did start transitioning into other, other ministries. Uh, but it took us four years to reach an advanced speaking level in Arabic. Um, Arabic really is that hard. Um, I was unsure if I should share, share this story uh, but I'm going to, so bear with me. Um, it's just forewarning. It's slightly inappropriate, but it's not bad. All right. It's just <laughs> I just share it to show you the ex one example of how learning a language is difficult, and you have to make mistakes. You have to laugh at yourself, and other people laugh at you. Uh, but it's part of what we go through uh, to do what God has sent us to do. So. Story. We got a new cat. Um, Mary's shaking her head at me. We got a new cat, and um, we let our, our animals on the furniture and stuff. We love animals. We gr grew up with dogs, all that. Um, and so we got this cat, and like the first night he was with us, he slept on the bed next to us. So I'm telling Musa, um, the guy that does the visits with me, very close to him. Um, so I'm telling him about the new cat, and 
I told him the equivalent in Arabic, that the cat slept with me. Well, in Arabic, there's only one connotation for that. And so he just starts laughing at me. He's like, what did you say? I was like, I, I said the cat slept with me. And he's like, okay, never say that again. <laughs> say the, the cat slept next to you. I'm like, okay. So there have been other stories. I shared a different one last time about asking somebody for, for cocaine, complete accident. Um, ask me about it after church if you want to hear that story again. Um, anyways, our primary purpose of being in the country we are is to see a disciple-making movement begin and be sustained among Syrian Arabs. Our team was created to reach Syrian Arabs. Before we were ever in the picture, the team was originally going to Syria. They had taken trips to Syria. They had looked for housing in Syria. Um, they, they were fundraising to go to Syria. And then the, the war in Syria started. So the team went to a neighboring country, where we now are, to start studying Arabic, hoping that in six months, a year, whatever, they could still go to Syria. Well, of course, the war is still ongoing. And about six months into, into them being there, the Syrians started coming to our country as refugees. And we've since have stayed in, in this country, but we have not lost that focus that God created this team for, which was to reach Syrian Arabs. And of course, we share with anybody we can, um, whether that's Palestinians, Iraqis, Jordanians, Lebanese, um, but our focus, where we spend our time and our money, is on the Syrians living in our country. But why? why? Why spend years learning another language? Why muddle through learning culture, making the, the silly mistakes with language? Um, why, why offend people um, on accident, just simply because we don't know what, what we're doing all the time? Uh, we've been there for years, and we're still learning um, new things about the culture and the language. Um, little things like if you don't stand up when somebody enters the room and shake their hand, um, you're, you're dishonoring them if you, you stay sitting down. You're basically saying you're not worthy enough for me to, to respect you. Um, and that, that completely offends people. So there's so many little things. Why do we go through all this? And the answer, you can hit the next slide, is to participate in furthering the kingdom of God. We want to see the kingdom of God extended to the ends of the earth. I find a good place to start answering this question, the why question, is with the Great Commission. Um, again, a passage that many of you probably know. Um, we'll go ahead and, and read this. Um, and this is found in, in Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Go and make disciples of all nations. Similarly, hit the next slide. Mark says, again, he, being Jesus, said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. To us, it doesn't get a whole lot clearer than that. 
this command from the lips of Jesus is to see all people on this earth, people from all nations, from all creation, to know who he is. Hit the next slide. In the country where we are, there are around 700,000 um, Syrians, um, give or take a few. Th those are, that's around the, the registered number, and there are unregistered, so it might be slightly higher, um, but around 700,000. As a people group, they are less than 0.1% evangelical Christian. Less than 0.1%. As refugees, Syrians find it difficult to find work, to find housing, sometimes they even find friends. They're viewed as second-class citizens. They're taken advantage of by the, the wider population. Um, they're seen as thieves and overall just not trusted. It is difficult for Syrians in this country. They're often just overlooked. And although they've been welcomed by the government, um, the government basically said, like, when the war started, they, they opened their doors to Syrians to come in as a safe haven. Um, but other than that, not a whole lot um, has, has been offered for them. Um, a couple of different government programs ha have been made to try to help here and there, but it's, it's just a drop in the bucket. Now, I could share stories of, of houses that are literally um, running with sewage as you enter their front door. Um, or houses where, where the landlord, the apartment building, um, the landlord is doing work in another part of the building, flushing out some pipes, and a Syrian woman who lives on the, the basement level, all the water being flushed out is now coming up her drains, um, and he ignores her cries for help. It's like, oh, not my problem. I could share so many stories like that, but instead, I want to talk a little bit more about Hanan. So let's hit the, oh good, he already did it, Hanan. So Hanan moved to Jordan because of the war about eight or nine years ago. Um, that's Musa and Hanan, Musa who goes with me on all these visits. Um, so she moved eight or nine years ago with her children and some extended family. She talks to her brothers and some others, but not not a lot, I already said they don't have a close relationship. Regardless, she is mostly on her own. Um, it's her and her kids. And her kids, I mean, her oldest daughter is 16, and then she has like a, a eight-year-old, and then like a six or seven-year-old. Um, a while back, we had done a registration for Syrians um, in our town. And what we did at the registration, we, we gave out a bunch of tickets, a bunch of Syrians came to a center we have, um, and we, we, did a, we gave them a little bit of food, we gave them a food bag, and we did a basic um, interview with them. And in that interview, we asked three vital questions. Um, one of these questions was if they had ever visited um, a church in our town before. Some of them had, mostly to receive aid. Um, nobody had just for the sake of going to church. Um, not surprising. Another question was, have you ever had a dream of Jesus? And the third was, would you like someone from the church to visit you? And this registration was in coordination with a local church, so all of the Syrians that came to this registration knew 
that this was essentially a church program. Um, we try to be very clear in our work um, what we are doing. Um, there's, there's different techniques and different strategies to evangelism, especially in the Middle East. Um, where we are, we have the freedom to, to tell people we are Christians, we work with the church, uh, we can be very open about that stuff. And so during this registration, we were. Have you ever had a dream of Jesus? Now, when Hanan entered the registration, she had on um, a niqab, like a full, uh, if you've seen, like the full black Muslim gown, head to toe, veil, head covering everything. Um, she was very soft-spoken. And then we asked her this question, and she just went silent. After a few moments, she quietly asked, are you both Christians? Uh, me and an uh, Arab friend who was with me. We said, yes. Like, you know, this is with the church. We're both Christians doing this. And she just started laughing. She took off her head covering in the middle of this. It was the first time we ever met her. I've never had that happen before or after, where this Muslim woman just takes off her head covering. Um, she looked back to make sure the door was shut. Uh, we were in an office. Anyways, so she made sure the door was shut, and then she took off her head covering and just started busting a gut laughing. Um, and once she calmed down, she was like, I have had three dreams of Jesus. One as a child and two as an adult. Um, they were all rather basic, but they were clear to her that Jesus was making himself known to her. So the only person or one of the only people she had ever told about that was her mother. Fast forward a little bit, and while we've now been visiting Hanan every week for about a year, year and a half, um, and we're working through a, a video series where we go through 15 different Bible stories. Um, and when we do this, we always have the people retell the stories, and Hanan is just so focused and so attentive to these stories. Um, she's able to, to retell these stories with even the most minute details. She is so, in, like, gosh, it, it's great. Like, talking about it, it just makes me happy thinking about her watching these, these Bible stories. Um, so we use this sort of discovery Bible story method, and part of that is to ask people what we learn about God and what we learn about people. Um, and there's also some other questions after the videos. So fast forward again, and now we've started visiting her brother separately, who had also registered with us. Um, and one time we were at his house, and... Everybody in our town knows everything that's happening everywhere. And so she heard that we were at her brother's house. Um, again, a brother who she is kind of estranged from. And she just comes over. And we're in the middle of sharing a Bible story with her brother. And she comes in and, like I said, she's a character. And she just takes over. Um, she starts um, telling the story, asking him the, the questions we ask her every week, um, helping him get to the, the right answers and, I mean, remember, she's still a Muslim woman who is now teaching the Bible to her sibling, to her brother, who, who she doesn't really get along with. Like, are you kidding me? Like, God's doing stuff. After we finish the videos with her, and this is our, our like, what we do with, with everyone, is when we finish the videos, we ask if they would like to continue studying um, these Bible stories. They know they're from the Bible. And we say, if you would like to, then we can actually start reading these stories for ourselves. Um, and she's like, of course I do. 
And so we said, okay, next week we'll, we'll bring a Bible for you to use and you, we can read the Bible together. Um, and so we did. She was ecstatic. You, you see the pictures. This is the second time we visited. There's the same Bible. Um, so we started reading through Mark with her and her face is just filled with joy every time we open um, this book together. Now another part of the Discovery Bible study is to ask how we will obey Jesus based on what we just read. Obey. Remember, from, from the Matthew, the Great Commission, make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Now, when working with Muslims, we do keep this very simple, and, and we, we let God work. But after that very first time reading Mark chapter 1 with her, um, we asked her how she, what she would want to do this week for Jesus based on what we had just read. And she was like, I will pray for 30 minutes this week. Like, okay, okay, that's good. Like, Muslim woman's telling us she's going to pray to Jesus. Sure, okay. So we go back the next week, and we're hardly in the door, and she is just glowing with joy, saying, I prayed not just 30 minutes, but 30 minutes for three different days. And we're like, okay, okay, let us sit down. So we sit down, she makes us some coffee, and then she sits down and she says, those three days I had more joy than I have at any other time in my life. And so we're like, awesome. And so we talk and we, we share a little bit more and we read the next chapter, Mark chapter 2. We're like, okay, how do you want to obey Jesus this week? She said, this week I'm going to pray every day. We're like, okay, okay, that's a good choice. Um. During that week, so we go back the next week, same deal, and um, she tells us when we get there the next week, she said, I prayed every day this week. And one time I was praying, and my mom called, and so I was talking to my mom on the phone, and she explains to us how her mom has been sick for like three days, high fever, in bed, can't get up. Um, and so she's talking to her mom, and now remember, her mom is one of the only people that knows she has ever had a dream of Jesus. And she says she's talking to her mom, and she tells her mom that, that she's been reading the Bible, um, she says, I want to pray for you. And so on the phone with her mom, she prays to Jesus, and she said, immediately when she finished praying, her mom's fever went away. She got out of bed and joined the rest of her family in the front room for the first time in three days. Amen. And Hanan, just overcome with joy, you, again, you can just see it all over her body and her face, and like her hands are shaking. She had goosebumps on her arm as she was telling the story. Uh, she's just so excited. Her and her mom know exactly who, who healed her. And she said, you know what my mom told me? Don't tell your brothers and sisters. Fear is strong and real among um, those becoming disciples in the Middle East. I mean, it, it's, a, it's real. This is not lost on those we share with, and it's not lost on us. The cost of discipleship is high. Um, and this is partially why we are so direct in what we are doing with people, because it's their, it's their choice. Um, we had about 200 families register with us. Two of them said they would not like somebody from the church to visit them. And out of all of the families that have finished the videos, now, of course, sometimes a few videos end, families stop answering the phone, and we have to stop visiting, and we start visiting new families. Every family that has finished the videos has, has wanted to start reading the Bible together. 
So it was shortly after um, she shared that story that we actually came back to America for our home service. Um, but again, Hanan, a Muslim mom of three children, is praying to Jesus, reading the Bible, and seeing God work in her life and in the lives of others. Through prayer, through healing, through the word of God. I, I want to ask you guys just to keep praying for Hanan that one day she will actually all of the walls will be torn down and that she will commit to following Christ. She will commit to being baptized and she will become just someone to, to wreak havoc for the kingdom of God. Um, so let's hit the, the next slide. So again, I ask you why. Why go? Why share? And again, other than the simple truth that Jesus says to, John gives us a little bit clearer answer, a little bit more of the, the why did Jesus command this. Um, John 14 here tells us um, that Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one goes to heaven. No one gets to meet the Father except by knowing and following Jesus Christ. Romans adds to this, how then can they, again, they being those who don't know Jesus, the lost, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? In a land that is a fraction of a percent evangelical Christian, there are simply not enough people telling others who Jesus is. We go because Jesus says to, and we go because we care. 700,000 Syrians, 0.1% would be like minuscule. 700,000 Syrians are going to hell unless they hear who Jesus is. And that's only the Syrians in our country. Of course, there's more in the world. We go because we care. You sent us because you care. I already said that. So unless they hear the gospel and choose to follow Jesus Christ, how, how can they ever get into heaven? And of course, the answer is they can't. How can they follow Jesus unless someone, anyone, tells them who Jesus is? Oh, we love these people. They're our friends. They're our neighbors. Um, I have an eight ball pool game on my phone um, where I sit and play pool with, with a Syrian friend as he sits in his house in, I almost said the, the name, as he sits in his house in the refugee camp. Um, like, I, I'm sitting here in America and we're just playing pool together. They're our friends. They're not projects. They're not something to get done. They are people made in the image of God just like you and me. The difference is we know who Jesus is. We have Bibles. I mean, there's probably more Bibles in this room than, um, than I could, well, I could probably count them. But there's a lot of Bibles in this room. The majority of people we, we share with have never even seen a Bible. And when we visited Hanan, we actually asked her, we, we brought the Bible with us, um, and we got up, and we were like, we can leave this with you if you want it, or we can take it with us and bring it back next week, um, depending on who visits her and stuff. It can be dangerous for a Muslim to have a Bible in their house. 
Um, and so she's like, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. We're like, okay, we'll take it with us. And so we started getting up. She's like, no, no, just, just go ahead and leave it. <laughs> We're like, okay. Um, so we left it. The two girls here, um, they're part of a family that has also finished the videos and we've started reading the Bible together. Um, they're actually twins and they just feed off of each other as we're doing the, the stories and the questions and, and they try to outdo one another with who can tell the most details. And so one of them will, will share or retell the story, then the next one will, then the first one will go again trying to tell more detail than the... It's so fun. Um, their dad is very Islamic um, and he's always in the room, but... He's one that you can tell he's paying attention, but he doesn't want you to know he's paying attention. Um, and so he doesn't answer the questions. He just sits there listening. He'll usually have his phone up. Um, but occasionally they'll, they'll say something wrong. He'll be like, no, no, it was this. <laughs> so he's, he's paying attention. So when we switch from, in the videos, we do about five stories from Old Testament and then get into stories of Jesus. Um, when we made that transition to New Testament, I actually sat down with their dad and um, talk to him about how we know the New Testament is the word of God. Um, we don't always do that, but with him, it was something that, that I, was, I was led to do. And uh, we talked about the manuscripts. And Well, to begin with, Muslims believe that the Bible as it was originally given is from God. They believe it, that God gave us the, the Bible. But they also think it's been corrupted over time by people and that what we have in our hands is, is no longer what God gave us. So he already agreed the Bible, as God gave it to us, was, was from God. Um, and so we were able to talk about manuscripts and how we have so many early manuscripts. And I, I won't do the whole spiel for you, but I, I essentially, some, essentially say something like, if we have 100 copies uh, of, of the original and two of those say something different, we know those two change something. So we don't use those two. We use the, the 98 that are all the same because we know those are the accurate ones. And we, I talked to him more than that. Um, but he finally got to the point where, where he agreed. He's like, okay, what we have today is the same as what was originally written. And then in like the next sentence, he, he confirmed again, like, yeah, the Bible as it was originally written was from God. And he wouldn't like straight come out and say that what that means is that what we have today is from God. But you could tell he was making that connection. Well, let's go ahead and hit the, the next slide. Um, so I just, I love seeing God at work. I love seeing God working in, in our lives and the lives of these families we're sharing with. Um, and I hope you find joy in some of these stories too. The truth is that we are in this together. We couldn't be doing what we are doing if there weren't people like you um, partnering with us and sending us to do this work. And none of us would be in this together if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit in our midst. Together, we can reach Syrian Arabs, and we are sharing the gospel with them in their homes. This church is partnering in this work and is helping make a global impact. Do I have time for one more story? I think so. All right, last slide. So one more story. Um, you can see my two kids there on the right, and then we'll call her, what name did I write? Hind. We'll call her Hind. If you get our newsletters, we've talked about Hind a lot in our newsletters. 
Um, she's a very dear friend of ours, somebody we got connected with very early on. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll try to make it short and sweet, but we've known Hind for a long time, and we actually got to know her before we knew Arabic, so we got her connected with some others, um, some other foreigners that, that were doing a Bible study with her and are still doing a Bible study with her. Um, but we've become very good friends with her. Um, Mary and her are, I mean, she's probably Mary's closest friend in, in where we are. Um, but her story is this. And when you hear her tell, you can't help but, but cry um, from, from the, the pain that you see transition to joy in her life. Um, but she was in Syria, um, two little kids. You can see her kids there now older, but they were babies when she was in Syria. Um, her and her husband were at home, and one day, a bunch of men came in, grabbed her husband, um, and took him. They did this to all the men on, on her street. Um, they just took all the men at gunpoint. Um, I, I don't know for sure which side of the war it was that took them, but, but they were taken to work for him. Her, her husband was a, a seamster. He sewed. Um, he was, I mean, he's not a seamstress. He's a seamster. Um, anyway, so, so like they were taken to, to work. Um, and so after that time, she packed up the kids and started bouncing around house to house. Um, and she ended up in a house where she, she got word that an airstrike was coming. So she loaded up all of her stuff as much as she could into her car, got the kids in, got in and started driving away. And she'll tell you that as she was driving away out of the rearview mirror, she saw a bomb drop on her house and destroy it completely. So now she's driving towards the border, about a little over halfway down, the car breaks down. Um, so she has to get out, get whatever she can, which is not much, clothes on her back, get her kids, um, and walk the rest of the way to the border. Um, and she'll tell you the thing that she misses most, the things that she, she had to leave everything behind, but the thing that she misses most were the photo albums. Because um, this day, she doesn't have a single picture of her husband, who she has since found out has died has been killed. So she, she gets to the country we're in, and, and some people pretty early on start sharing the gospel with her. So by the time we meet her, um, she's heard the gospel, but hasn't really accepted Jesus. Um, so again, we got her connected with some other foreigners. Um, now fast forward a bit, Mary, Mary knows Arabic better than most people. Um, so they just sit and talk, and Mary's sharing stories with her, and they talk about all sorts of things. Um, and Hind commits her life to Jesus. Um, and so I won't share this part of the story, but it was a few months before he came back. Uh, Mary actually was able to baptize her in the bathtub at our house. And man, was that a party. We had food and, and um, all sorts of chips and drinks and a bunch of people there. She, she wanted a party. Um, again, mo usually Muslims that come to Christ are scared. They're weary of others. Um, knowing, but she's like, oh, heck no, I want to have a party. She was inviting people. She told us to invite people. We, we had all sorts of people there. Um, and just the, as she gets to that part and the joy that you see in her eyes is just amazing. She is just such a, a dear friend and now a sister in Christ. You'll be partying with, partying with her in heaven one day. Um, because of the work that you've sent us. And I'm not taking the credit for this. It's God. It's the Spirit working in her lives. So we weren't even the first ones to share the gospel with her. 
but, but we're just a part of her journey, and we praise God to be a part of her journey and to be a part of the journey of so many others. So our continued prayer is to see more and more Muslims come to know Jesus Christ, to see them participating and furthering his kingdom, to see a movement among Syrian Arabs start where we are, but one that is unstoppable and reaches the ends of the earth. And only the Holy Spirit can start and sustain a movement, but we see him at work, and we are glad to just be a tool that he is using um, to get his work done. Thank you, guys. Let me pray. So, Lord, we thank you for, for the time we've had this story to, to share a little bit from your word, to share a little bit of, of, of the work you've sent us to do, Lord. Um, and we just praise you for what you're doing where we are and all over the world, God. These stories aren't unique to us or unique to where we are. Um, you're doing this stuff everywhere, God, and we just praise you for this. We praise you uh, for bringing the lost to yourself. Um, we thank you for this church, and we thank you for all those that, that have sent us and sent others to see your work done. Um, and we pray that a movement will start among Syrians, God. Um, and we thank you. Here's something we pray. Amen. Um, we'll be at the table out here if you want to talk to us after. We have some bookmarks if you, you want to grab one. Um, so talk to us after. Thank you.